Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Um, so, um, time to fess up. No, I'll, well, let me just... Yeah, I'll fess up to my to my uh, my worst one is probably worse than any of my good ones, which was <laughs> predicting it starting in the playoffs. <laughs> um, <laughs> You're listening to the Dig. What is up, Nuggets fans? This is the Dig. I'm Nick. I'm with Jeremy, and this is part two of our big picture series where we're discussing. Uh, the overlook of the season and a preview of the offseason coming up, which will be a big one and a team defining one for the Nuggets. Is this the best free agent class we've ever seen? Do you think? I don't know. I'm not, I, I don't know if I can remember every free agent class from the last like 15 or 20 years. So that, there might be one in there somewhere. I, but yeah, my it's goodness, got to be loaded, loaded. I mean, you've got arguably three of the top five guys. Maybe, maybe that's more like three of the top ten guys. Maybe even the, the top guy. Uh, who Was it uh, Stephen A. Smith that was saying that uh, KD's the best player in the NBA? Yeah, I mean, I, I've been hearing a lot of people on the Kawhi bandwagon now after this series. Um, and, yeah, Kawhi. Both those guys are up in the air. Jimmy Drawing Butler. Butler in there. And, Kyrie yeah. Irving, Kemba Walker, Clay Thompson. Um, DeMarcus Cousins has been a top 10 player before. I'm not sure where he's at now. He looks right. like, uh, not right now. Like yeah. he should be even playing at the Y, but, um, yeah, Tobias Harris, there's like a whole other middle tier of really quality options to Tobias Harris, Chris Middleton, D'Angelo Russell, JJ Redick, Al Horford, Vucevic Marcus. Is now so like a, a top, he had a, like a top five center season. Yeah. Right. Um, guys like Julius Randle, Brooke Lopez, uh, Bogdanovich. Um, so the, yeah, there's, there's a, a lot out there. Um, and we're going to get into that and whether the Nuggets should make a move. If they do make a move, what kind of move should they make? Uh, the Nuggets also don't have a draft pick this year. Um, so we'll talk a, a little bit about that. Is, is that something that the Nuggets should, uh, look at doing getting into the draft or should they stand pat and be happy with the fact that they have Michael Porter Jr. and Jared Vanderbilt coming in um, this year who didn't play last year, really a uh, little bit from Vanderbilt, but um, not enough to get any sense of what kind of player he'll be. So yeah, I don't know. What are your, what's your, what's your overall impression or biggest kind of like question or, or take on this, season this off season for the nuggets right yeah starting with a little perspective um i was thinking i i kind of got hit with like i think calling it an epiphany would be a little over the top but when they re-signed Plumley to that contract two years ago it it made me adjust my thinking in a lot of ways actually that was that was one of the biggest <laughs> changes i've had uh 
perspective shifts, uh, just being a, a Nuggets fan in general, it made me kind of stop looking at the team and desiring things for the team that I see. And it made me, because uh, I didn't agree with it, it, and it made me start trying to look at things from Tim Colley's perspective, management's perspective. And that has really helped me a lot along the way to, to kind of um, temper my emotions. That's something we were talking about in the last episode. It's made me a, a little bit more conservative, um, a little more realistic, I think. And it's really kind of taken taken my emotions out of it and just made it much more of a uh, looking at things logically, both from talent standpoint, from contractual contractual standpoint. Um, and, and what what I saw at that point was I, I, the two biggest things that stood out to me were um, Paul Millsap having a, a contract through basically basically it was a two year deal, even though it was a, a three year deal with a team option, and then. With for a huge sum of money, obviously, and, and then when they signed Plumley, that that was an, another big chunk of money that to me was almost just as much about locking up that that money as it was about what Plumley actually brings as a player to our team. And Wait, what do you mean locking up that, that money? Lock, yeah, locking up money. Um, I could be totally off on this. You know, uh, we already talked about how much Tim Connolly loves listening to our podcast and he <laughs> might just be shaking his head at this, but the concept of locking up Love money. You, TC. So, uh, so free, free agency culture was a big deal to Tim Connolly. Uh, the nuggets never had a culture that could attract not even second tier free agents. Um, it was just not a place that anybody w- would really want to be in the NBA, any sort of desire to be there other than the most obvious one being money. Um, and when other teams offer the same amount of money, they're the ones who are going to get the free agents. So for him to come in and change the culture um, was a big deal. And and that's a long process. And fortunately, the Cronkies gave him uh, a pretty pretty uh, long leash to work with. And I think he set up uh, this offseason and next offseason to finally to finally uh, use the, the goodwill, the culture that he's been building up to try and make a, a free agent splash. And I think locking up the money um, that, say, Plumlee took up about $13 million a season um, was part of that. Because that means now that that Plumlee's going to he's he's going into the last year of his contract. So first of all, that makes it tradable. But then next season, that's thirteen million coming off the books. That's the same season that, let's say Millsap, they they give him his third year. That thirty million would be sliding off. And the fact that we got a team option means that we could make a big move this season if if this off season if things work out. So to me, a lot of this has been planned. The Goal number one for Connolly was change the culture, change the national reputation of Denver so that you might be able to better uh, draw free agents. Plan B was, or or step B, step two, (laughs) that's terrible. (laughs) Step Step two was was put a uh, uh, contract situation in place where you could then afford those free agents. And, And so... I think we're going into the the soft phase, the soft opening of the the Nuggets franchise uh, being announced to the world. 
uh, where the flexibility is there if they want to take it. But really, I think it's much more set up for next season. And uh, and so I'm very, very intrigued what happens right now. I feel that we're not going to see a lot. Um, but this is that point where you have you start putting those feelers out, trying to have those conversations with these free agents. See if if there potentially is anything where you do want to make a big deal because he, I think he could make a big deal right now. You very easy in one, one word, you have Millsap's money off the books mm-hmm. because he's, he's only got a team contract right now. And then trading Plumley at this point is not a very hard thing to do. Um, Barton is a bit of a stickler, but, but the point being that if, if a guy like KD wanted to come to Denver right now, we, I, we have the ability to do it. You can make it happen. It, yeah. It wouldn't, yeah, it wouldn't be the easiest thing. It's not a, a snap of the finger, but uh, it's it's very manageable to do something like that. And that I feel that was intentional going back three years. Yeah, I think that was a really great summary of, of where they're at. And I, what I am wondering now, though, is you, so you, you said looking at this from afar, it seems like this year and next year are the window. Um to be able to go after some of these guys, this class just seems to be so much stronger. Um, I can't remember all of the names on next year's free agent list, but um, it's not nearly as stacked as this year's. And so I'm, I'm wondering if maybe you move that, that up a little bit so that you can take advantage of, of this number of free agents that's available. Um, or do you just go with, yeah, you know something like a mid-tier free agent, um, and reworking Millsap's deal, and just sort of make a an incremental improvement instead of the big splash. Um, but maybe we should get into that. Let's do buy or sell yeah. free agency edition predictions. So, buy or sell the Nuggets will make a major free agent acquisition this off season. What do you think, Jerry? Um. Why don't you start off, actually? So, I think I think the Nuggets are. I think a lot of this depends on where some if these guys kind of already have their mind made up, some of the big names, or if they are open to possibilities. I mean, I, from a basketball standpoint, if I'm Kevin Durant, for example, there's not going to be a better basketball situation than for him to stay in Golden State, probably, <laughs> but. Everything we're hearing is that he's leaving. That seems to be the general consensus, everything I, I've been hearing. Now, that doesn't mean he will leave. He could still stay. But but basically, that's been the that's been the rumblings. And so then, of course, all the big teams, it becomes New York and L.A. because that's the, you know, media's dream scenario. But, you know, I don't. I, so it kind of depends on, like with KD, for example, would he be making a basketball decision? If if not if it, let's say let's say he 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 does want to make a basketball decision, but he doesn't want to stay in Golden State just because it's that that's up that 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 part of his career is over with. He wants to move on. Um, then you look around at the teams that can sign him and who's got the best basketball situation for him to be in. I mean, I think the Nuggets can make as good of an argument as just about any team in the league that you pair Kevin Durant with Jokic and Murray and Harris, and you have a championship winning team. Uh, or cont- in, con- you know they'd be in contention instantly, um, mm-hmm. and uh, KD has said in the past that he really liked Denver, um, 
as a city, it just came up on a podcast. I, I heard where he was talking about some of the some of the cool cities around that he's traveled to and stuff, being in the league, and he mentioned Denver specifically. Um, so he likes it here, apparently. So yeah, so so uh, some of this stuff is like you were just saying, like, can the Nuggets? Could the Nuggets make room for Kevin Durant? Yes, they can. And so then the question really just becomes like it's it's all about just what are these. What do these free agents want? Um, you know, everybody is saying that Kawhi wants to go back to L.A., so it's going to be either the Lakers or the Clippers. Uh, do we know that? They were The same thing was said about Paul George. I, I think after this run that he's gone on with Toronto, uh, he could definitely leave. He doesn't seem like somebody who's, like, too loyal to individual teams or anything like that. Um, and maybe he just really, really wants to get back to L.A. Uh, it would be... It would be a pretty cold move, though, to to leave Toronto after the run they've had this year. So, who knows? Does anybody have more who ice knows? in their veins, though, than that man? Yeah, no. I mean, I'm not. I'm definitely not ruling it out. I'm just. It would. It would just be interesting to see it happen. I don't think we've ever seen a player leave after a season like that um, for a team and, and a, a team that where where they were so important to the fan base um, in Toronto. I don't know. Um, Jimmy Butler is a, a total wild card. I have no clue. Uh, where he'll end up or what what he wants uh, or if I'd even want him on my team honestly I probably would but um, Kyrie I kind of have similar feelings about I'm not really sure I want him on my team Um, if he was on my team it would be a lot of fun and I'm sure I'd be happy about it but but it's kind of a tough call Um, Kemba's getting a little older Uh, Clay most likely will stay with Golden State so I yeah I don't or go to LA so the I guess I guess here's here's my here's here's my thinking. I think the Nuggets are going to make a play for a big name. I th- I think I think they're going to put it out there that if KD or Kawhi or any of these guys want to come to Denver that we will make it happen. And it'll just be a question then of whether one of them wants to come here. Um right. And which I'm going to predict won't happen. Um I think I think there's there's going to be enough other options for them that they probably all of these guys are probably going to end up elsewhere, which will leave the Nuggets with something like maybe going after like a Chris Middleton type, um, maybe like Tobias Harris. I kind of think that could be an interesting fit potentially um, as small forward uh, or sort of like a small forward, power forward kind of player. Um Maybe maybe you go after somebody like JJ Redick just to get some some outside shooting, um, but I think we start looking at some of those middle tier free agents, and I do think they will land somebody. I think they're going to make a move. I think they're going to bring in some kind of a veteran presence, somebody who has an established record of being able to hit shots in the playoffs, because that that was definitely a problem for the team this year. Now that they've they've shown that they have the capabilities of getting into a deep playoff run, um, we need some guys who. Who, who we can count on. So I'm going to 97% sell the idea that they make a major free agent acquisition. Any, any of these guys that you mentioned, I don't think they, they bring any of them in. Um, the 3% is KD. I do believe in a big 3% chance that he could end <laughs> up in Denver. If anything, just because all these guys seem fixated, you know, whether it's LeBron or, or Kawhi, or you know, they, they get so fixated on on something. KD is the the opposite. It feels like he's the guy who could freak out in one second and do something on a whim. Um, he could be talking to Brooklyn and 
LA and Golden State all at the same time going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And then all of a sudden he just sees, you know, commercial for skiing in Denver and goes, screw it. it like hadn't even talked to us and calls us up and says, I want to come to Denver because he's got such little control over his own emotions and things like that. Um, so there's my 3% that some way we wind up with KD. But here's why I don't think we make any big free agent acquisitions. I think the opportunity cost is too high. And again, I'm, I'm coming from not my perspective, but what I think management looking on this Nuggets roster sees, it, the opportunity cost of what they give up to get something back, even if, even if that's purely uh, minutes on the court, even if they, they don't have to cut somebody or do something different, even if they're purely just adding a player to their roster, there's still an opportunity cost of, of time on the floor, among some other things. And like for starters, I mean, obviously we know Jokic isn't going anywhere. His minutes aren't going anywhere. But Millsap, to me, is the Jenga piece that you do not want to push or the entire tower could likely fall. I think he's diminishing. He's getting older and he's diminishing. But that does not mean you just replace him with somebody. Uh, I, I've heard a lot of talk, uh, a lot of fan talk about like Julius Randle and, and, and even even somebody who, who I respect, like Tobias Harris. Uh, you just you don't realize what Millsap does for the ability for this team to compete on both sides of the floor. And these players don't do that. They do not. They have plenty of upside to them, but they do not do what Paul Millsap does. And. <laughs> so then, then you start going down the list. Then, okay, so what about our, our backcourt? What about Gary Harris, Jamal Murray? And then you're just kind of playing with fire. What, what are you getting back in that? Kyrie is probably the best point guard out there. Uh, Kemba is out there. Uh, Clay, you know, Clay's, Clay's better than Gary Harris. But are, what, what kind of upgrade? Is that a huge change in in? Oh yeah, you know, that would be a huge upgrade because he plays anyway. great defense too. But he's not—he's not leaving Golden State. Him and Steph will right. close their careers there. I'm sure. Not for Denver, certainly. Yeah, yeah. So, so you start going down, and and you like small forward would be the biggest one. But we just we don't have the ability, the cap space to really make any sort of big, big splash in that way, unless it's somebody like KD, where where you move hell and high water to make something like that happen. Well, what about Jimmy so, Butler? Personally, I'm actually a pretty big Butler fan, and yeah. I like his fit on our team. It's the scariest of all things that I am positive about or, or optimistic about. It's the scariest, scariest one. Um, I think that he fit in decently in Philadelphia, um, where I'm sitting right downtown um, in, the, in the middle of right now. Uh, a lot of people talk about his personality, and and it is they should. It's it's big. It's complicated. And he actually did it, did a pretty good job of fitting in with this group here in Philadelphia. So that makes me feel a little bit better about him coming to Denver. Um, but it's by far the scariest. And, and and again, so to get to get him on the team, you know, you you have to you have to then examine what the path is. So so what are we doing with Millsap? Is he? Dropping down to maybe like a three-year deal that's a lot cheaper. Um, are you know? I'm sure we're getting rid of Michael Porter Jr. to get rid of Barton and, and Plumlee or something like that. You know, um, 
you start looking at the path that it takes to get the player there. I just don't see there's a big divide in this free agent class. I'll sum it up with this. There's a big divide with those that have such overwhelming talent and such good fits that you would have to move hell and high water to get on your team. And those players who bring something nice, but the opportunity cost that you're giving up to get them on our team is just too much. Um, and, and there's not a good gray area in between with players. There, there's not, a, I don't think a single player in the middle area there for me that I see both improving our team without uh, making it worse in other areas and who is easy, easy enough to actually get on our team in the first place. So my issue is I, I feel like the roster, I don't, I don't feel like they have the roster set yet. There's, they have, they have six shooting guards and no small forward. Well, unless Michael Porter Jr. can be the small forward. Um, but we don't. We, don't, we really have no idea what we're going to get from him. I mean, ideally, he kills it in summer league. He starts the season on the bench next year and does really well on the bench. You know, maybe he's putting up 15 a game or something like that and showing the kind of uh, gifts of, as a scorer that he has in real game settings. And then by the middle of the year, he's starting or something. But... I, that's that, I mean that would be like best case scenario, um, but right now I mean we have it's Murray, Barton, Harris, Beasley. Those guys are all shooting guards basically. Um, I mean Murray has developed enough into a point guard that I think we we can we can run with him as our starting point guard, um, and the two man game with Jokic really developed in the playoffs a lot. So. Uh, I think he t- he did he did make some improvement as a as a playmaker this year. I still think he has another step to go to really be like your starting point guard for a championship team. Um, but he could he could develop that next year. But we have all these guys that like there we don't have really like a true we don't have anybody really other than maybe like Tory Craig who's like the even size to compete with some of these big small forwards. And and we don't have anybody who can score. I agree. I agree position. completely. I, with what you just said, I agree completely with your with this picture of our shortcomings. I agree with that. I just I just don't see anything to do about it. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm nothing I, realistic. I, yeah, I'm mostly just kind of thinking out loud because I, there needs something needs to. Ch- I, I keep I, I kind of feel like one of either Murray or Harris needs to go, and I hate to say it because I I love both of them. Right. I mean, really, I, we need like Barton. I, I just feel like Barton has no place on this team right now. I, I just don't I don't see what he's an undersized small forward who was supposed to be our a big playmaker along with Jokic on the starting group um, and Murray. And well, he just didn't show that ability. And I so I don't know what he's doing on this on team. Okay, if I may, uh, I started talking about it in the, the last episode um, and, and if I can sum up. Mm-hmm. Now where I think we're at with Barton, um, I mentioned before. I think I think the best place to hide Barton at this point is in the starting lineup. Uh, you go back to his regular season stats, even after his injury, um, that obviously affected him, and that he was trying to come back from. And I would not say made it back even by the last game that he played. Uh, that being said, he had the best looking. Uh, over under lineup, uh, lineup over unders of of anybody on the team with with the starting unit. So they did a good job with him in there. Um, 
Now, this is not the team you want to be running off in the playoffs. This is not the starting lineup that we saw. I, I know, but we just can't really do much about that right now. So hide them in the starters so that our bench can operate the way they did all of last season. That's Monte Morris, who's going to be back. That's Mason Plumley, who's going to be back. That's the other guys, Beasley, Wancho. Uh, and, and here's another thing is with Barton coming back, we now have the chance to uh, – coming back healthy, I should say, or healthier – we now have the chance for Barton to, to raise his value. And if Barton raises his value, that makes him easier to trade. And that is a, a position that I really like the Nuggets to be in. Um, he has a long contract. It's high, high dollar value, not ridiculously high, but high. And if he's able to put up good stats this next season – he could be tradable as soon as the trade deadline. And that's when things really open up. And now, now I'm starting to get ahead. We do want to talk about trades here. But um, mm-hmm. but so my take on Barton is hide him in the starting lineup. I think there's no way we're going to see a worse Barton this season. Last season has got to be the bottom of the barrel for Barton. Are we so sure about that? hide him in the that? starters. <laughs> I am. I would be willing <laughs> to bet. <laughs> um. And I think we'll see an improvement in his stats, and I think that will help alleviate the the position that we're in to our flexibility to make trades and free agency next season. I mean, that would be ideal. Like if because yeah, you can't really. Barton is we're stuck with him right now. Um, Nobody's going to take on that contract unless you start throwing in assets like Michael Porter Jr. or something. To get somebody to be willing to take that contract in. Yeah, right now. So I I totally agree with you. I think the the best way to handle the Barton situation is hope that he plays better. And then at least you have some options. Maybe he's playing well enough that you just want to keep him on the team even. Or he's playing well enough that somebody like... I I really think Barton is ideal on a bad team where he can get like a lot of minutes and he can shoot a lot and... His deficiencies will be will be somewhat masked in in the regular season. Um, I think uh, you know, like some up and coming team like the Suns or something would be like a perfect place for him where he can um, kind of have the well, kind of like what what he did with the Nuggets when the Nuggets weren't very good, and he was right. able to be like the guy who could give him that spark or like come off the bench and put up twenty. Um, I think that is kind of the ideal role for, for him. And there's plenty of teams in the league that are in that position. They could use a guy like that to just provide them some instant offense to be able to be a playmaker um, who can who can start or come off the bench uh, as they're in their rebuilding process. But I just I don't think he's a piece on a, a team that's going to be competing for a championship, um, which I think at this point we're all hoping that's where the Nuggets are <laughs> where this is going because I mean it's their fault they set the expectations this <laughs> season right they. They were a Jamal Murray fingernail away from being in the Western Conference Finals with a eighth youngest team in the history of the playoffs. So, right, they need to build on this. Like we need, we need, you know, I'm, you know, you never know what's going to happen from season to season. It's not like there's like going to be this linear progression necessarily. Like next year they're going to get to the Western Conference Finals, and the year after they're going to get to the finals or something. But, um, and that's I I I started mentioning this in the last episode, but I think that's my concern here is that. They just sort of stand pat and hope that everybody just continues to improve next year and don't make any kind of any kind of splash 
and, and the rest of the West gets better. Um, and, and then now we're back to the Nuggets being a fringe playoff team. I think that's my concern. So whether will the Nuggets make a free agent acquisition this offseason? I think it's 50 50, but I'm really hoping that they, they figure out a way to do something. Um, just I, I think there's enough pieces out there that are available that could help improve this team. For, I'm, I'm really only specifically thinking about the playoffs. Like, what do we need to be a more competitive, um, a more challenging team in the playoffs? Um, and I think there's some names on this list that could that could help. And I, but I, yeah, it, there's so many unknowns here about what what would you have to give up to make, uh, uh, you know, a, a given move. Um, but that kind of goes into our next buy or sell, which is will the Nuggets make a trade? Now this could be a trade for a pick. They don't currently have a draft pick. In this year's draft, and we know Connolly's real strength has been in in the draft. Um, he has a little bit more of a mixed record on free agent signings, but um, he's been an all star in the draft. And it's kind of a bummer as a fan to be going into the into the draft without a pick this year. But we do have Michael Porter Jr. and Jared Vanderbilt coming back this year. It's sort of like having having a draft pick. Um, it's almost like last year was the year we didn't have a, a pick since we didn't really get to see those guys play. Uh, so what do you think, Jeremy? What's the likelihood that we'll see some sort of a trade either? Maybe now we could be talking about Anthony Davis, um, a name that's out there for, you know, who's available for a one year rental at least, or, or, a, a maybe yeah. a smaller trade to pick up a pick. The, the trade I see happening this off season is for a pick. It's for a second round pick. I, it's the highest value that we've seen this management operate with it, to, to start from the opposite end. If you're trading like player, player for player or players for players, there's so many variables involved in that where um, a player that you trade off of your team could wind up being better or a better fit. And then you gave away a quality player. Um, I mean, it, like most recently Nurkic, we all understand mm -hmm. the situation that we were in. We understand why the trade happened, but it does suck to see a guy do really well on another team after he was bad on yours. Um, and then, and then you don't never know what you're getting in. So there's two big variables, what you're giving away and what you're receiving. Um, then, then in, even in free agency, even if you're just, you're not giving anything up other than money. Um, so you still don't necessarily know what you get out of that. The guy might have had a ridiculously good year in a system that he was in, and it was system based. It was the area area he was in. You know, maybe something tragic in his life just happened, and he's mentally trying to come out. You, there's still variables there, but when it comes to the Nuggets having a pick in the second round, where it's a player that you don't have to commit any serious money to, that you can develop, that you just send your scouts out for. This is where we've seen the Nuggets get the highest uh, value back for what they are giving up for a player. And I think they'd be fools to not um, find a way to get a, a pick, out, a second round pick out of somebody. There's a few teams out there now that have, you know, five picks in this draft, uh, six picks. So, so... These are they. They're not trying to hold on to five picks and six picks. They're trying to find deals um, to to get better sooner, and grabbing a guy who could be a, a third backup point guard, a third backup center. Um, 
maybe a, a flyer on you know a, a two-way wing or something like that. Just something that you can put down there to develop and see what might come out of it. That's how you keep a team fresh, especially when we're going to be winning a championship in the next year or two. We're going to need a guy who we bought for bottom dollar who's still on our roster who's good for a backup. All right, so how do they go about getting that pick? They buy it. They just send money to uh, another team, cash consideration. Okay. Um, so who are the uh, – they have a couple free agents, right? Isn't uh, Trey Lyles – is he a free agent this year? Yeah. Yeah, so, so we're losing Lyles, Isaiah Thomas, Tyler Lydon, um, and then – you know, Paul Millsap is is on a team option, um, but then and then Brandon Goodwin and Thomas Welsh are on on two way contracts. So we'll see what happens there. Okay, and what what about Wancho? Does he have a year left? Yeah, yeah. We yeah. we signed we committed to the last season of uh, Wancho, Malik, and uh, Jamal Murray. Right. Okay. Yeah, I. I think they end up. I think they end up working their way into the draft too. Um, I don't. Yeah, I don't. It's hard to come up with a, a trade that like. I mean, you were talking about Plumley being a good trade asset for them this year, um, because he's on his last the last year of his deal, and it's a fair amount of money. Not, a, not a good trade asset. <laughs> not good. Did you just get that word out of there? And I think you're a lot closer to it. A trade. Oh, yeah, sorry. He is a, he is tradable. Is that what you meant? <laughs> right. Or what you were saying right. before? Okay. Yeah, he is tradable. Um, I'm yeah. I'm wondering. I don't know. They just don't. They don't have a clear replacement for him unless, uh, you know, Jared Vanderbilt, you know, can really tear up summer league. And but I don't know how much faith we want to put in in him. I'm scared um, to see him play center. Yeah, serious. It would be a yeah, it'd be a Center. small lineup off the bench. I don't. Yeah, and then there's you know all these free agents that we could look at. Um, but I, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. I I'm not. I wouldn't be totally shocked to see him just sit this one out. Honestly, uh, unless there's some some deal that that really makes sense. I or you know if I don't know if they are able to just just pay for a pick. Maybe we see him do that just so TC has something to do on yeah. draft night. But and again, talking about value, finding value. I think I think you wait. I don't think you force anything. I think you uh, you wait for somebody else who's desperate, and you get the best deal possible. Uh, again, these teams who have who are stockpiling picks right now are doing so not to pick all those players, mm-hmm. but to put different trade packages together. And when the night comes about, tra- uh, draft night. And trades aren't happening the way that they're hoping to, and they find themselves still with three picks in the second round or something like that. That's when you give them a call and you say, "Hey, we'll give you, you know, two hundred thousand dollars for that pick," and and they say, "Okay," <laughs> because they didn't, they weren't able to pull off the the trades that they were hoping for, and they wound up with extra assets, and they, they don't have the room to do anything with them. So, yeah, uh, so I. I it's I would expect a trade to happen on draft night. On I was going to say it's um, going to be on draft night then. Yeah. Right, right. In the middle of the draft because that's where the Nuggets are going to find their best value and worst case scenario they don't buy a draft pick in this this 
draft. You know, they they hoped that they could get some low hanging fruit somewhere, and it doesn't happen. Like, not the end of the world. Not the end of the world. So, yeah, there's plenty of young talent on this team right now. I don't. We're not in desperate need of talent. Yeah, uh, still a missed opportunity. But that mm-hmm. I fully, I fully expect, I fully expect the Nuggets to get a second round pick, and I think the likeliest scenario for that to come together is on actual draft night. All right, so we've kind of talked about this a, a little bit, um, but we'll hit it on the nose. Will the Nuggets retain Paul Millsap, or are they going to yeah. let him walk? Uh, yeah, I. I just I, I like I said it's the Jenga piece that you just don't want to touch. Um, his magic is too powerful. <laughs> don't <laughs> use analytics. Don't do anything. He is a magician. Don't question it. He gets the job done. Um, it doesn't matter what the fan base is crying out. Um, even though the, the fan base seems pretty balanced on him, but uh, do not touch Millsap. He's he's declining. Yes. Let's figure some things out, but let's take our time to do it. Um, Vanderbilt's right there. Let's see what he's able to offer, what he's able to grow in over the next year or two. If there's another player that we can swing a deal for, like a, a Jonathan Isaac or, or something like that, another kind of project player with the potential to, to be um, a Paul Millsap type impact player, then, then let's give them time to develop. The point here being, let's figure out our replacement for Millsap over time not overnight. So are you predicting that the Nuggets will pick up his option then? I Yeah, I think that's definitely the most likely scenario. I think I'm more on uh, the side that there's a chance we do pick up Millsap's last um, season uh, than, than probably anyone. Um, <laughs> I'd probably put it at about 15% chance that we pick up his last season. And I think... I, I would be surprised if anybody out there is more than 5% chance that that happens. So still a small percentage, but just the way that um, Tim Conley has played the uh, the culture game, um, I definitely – I see a scenario where if there's nothing going on uh, with changing anything around, um, again, having Millsap on the books for $30 million this next season is um, – is 30 million that comes off next off season along with Plumlee's 14 million that comes off next off season. So, um, you know, there's also the Jamal Murray question in there on whether or not you try and sign him right now. Um, I, I was a little bit more optimistic about that, um, a few months ago, but I think to me, the playoffs really changed that. I think Murray sees himself as a max guy, and I think there's no way the Nuggets offer him a max right now. And I think that the relationship is good enough that both sides kind of just understand the situation. Um, I think if we are in the uh, the bargaining room with Jamal Murray and his agent next offseason, that it won't be a contentious one. Um, so I, I think it's unlikely. Uh, unlikely might be too harsh of a word. I think there's a... 65% chance that uh no 75% chance that we don't re-sign Murray this offseason. And in that case, honestly, there is room if they want to play it that way with Millsap to give him 30 million this year and see where that good fortune uh or, or good goodwill extends to going into next season when we 
possibly sign him to a, a longer contract, like a two-year contract or something like that. Yeah, I'm just looking at that amount of money, though, and thinking, couldn't they use that? Like, I Nobody is going to give Millsap near $30 million if the Nuggets don't pick up his option. So yeah. wh- wh- what is he actually worth at this point? Like, you know, would he be willing to sign another two-year deal maybe at 15 or $12 million a year? Right. Something right. like that. I, to me, that would be the ideal scenario. Um, it sounds like he wants to happen. finish his career here. So I think it'll be a little higher than that. Um, okay. He, we're going to be turning down a $30 million, $30.5 million contract with him this season to offer him a two-year deal that nets him even less than $30 million. What he would be making this year if we kept him um, is harsh. Uh, not impossible, but definitely harsh. Um, so, I, you know, it might be more of one of these, um, he gets $18 million, um, this next season, and then it drops to, you know, 15 million this season yeah. after that, or 14 million. Um, or maybe we give them, uh, do like another three year th- kind of a thing. Um, yeah, th- there's a lot of room for creativity there. And because Connolly has developed these good relationships, um, I think there's room there for Millsap and the Nuggets to both kind of creatively figure out something that they, that they both want. So, yeah, I'm pretty confident so, something's going to get worked out there too. Right. Yeah, I'd say 75% chance we turn down his, his last year and re-sign him. Uh, 15% chance that we keep him, keep the last year's contract, and then 10% chance that uh, we let him go. And that would be if something big came up with another player. Who would you be willing to let him go for? I don't, like I don't think there really is. You know, Anthony Davis, if that trade comes through. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, none of these guys, none of these power forwards that a lot of people are, are talking about trying to replace him with. Interesting. So even like, like what about like Al Horford? Um, you put him next to to me, that's a sidestep. That's, that's yeah. a, so, so I'd be okay with that, but I think that's just a really weird situation. I'd, I'd be curious um, why we'd be inclined to do that. It, what bigger deal is going on in that situation that we get something out of? That's an interesting name to bring up, though. I, I hadn't heard that one yet. Yeah, I just saw him on the list here of, of some of the top free agents, and I, I don't even know if he's Boston may already kind of be working right. with him on resigning it. I'm, I'm not sure, but. And, and again, that's a guy who's been playing center uh, right. for 400 million years, um, coming over and trying to find himself in a defensive fit as a four with Jokic. Um, I'm kind of curious what Brook Lopez would look like with Jokic because he turned into this like stretch center this year. Um, uh, yeah, on offense. With the three point shooting. Defense, that would be. <laughs> well, he's not. <laughs> we we he's have a the pretty, twin pillars again. <laughs> he, I don't know. He was like a pretty good shot blocker this year, actually. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah I didn't. I didn't look can, deep enough at it, so I don't know. They can't really move. I, I he's a terrible off off ball guy. Yeah, if you're if you're trying to take a shot on him, he'll be able to knock it down. Or if you're trying to go one on one on the paint in him, he can he can block you down. But um, that's that's the thing is Jokic's backside and his side side is being able to cover those areas and being able to cover. The uh, the guy who doesn't have the ball and and that that would be s- super scary. 
Yeah. I would hate to see that, honestly. <laughs> um, but again, I have super high regard for Millsap. Uh, I have an insane amount. To me, he's the number two most important guy on our team. And honestly, well, why'd you pick this goes back Jamal Murray to be the MVP, not named Jokic then? Yeah, that was See, a symbolic reason. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Symbolically, the Jokic. I, think, uh, I do think Murray. I think you a little bit exaggerate, Mill. I like I I understand he's a good defensive player, a great defensive player. Um and that he he does a lot to cover Jokic's backside. I'm just I'm not so sure that there's like almost nobody else in the league that can do that. I don't I don't know about that. Yeah, no, no, no. Um I think there's a, a small group but you know you start getting into the whole thing of what you're what you're giving up um and why you do that change uh i haven't seen any any we're not in a very flexible place right now so you know i haven't seen well i think julius randall is an intriguing option actually he's he's not to me same, and same because situation you because of his defense like you think he's too much right. of a of a fall right. off I, I like him I like him on offense. I, I I would like to watch Jokic and him play together on offense, but um, he to me he doesn't have the wherewithal on defense to be able to play next to Jokic. Yeah, I honestly I haven't I didn't I haven't watched him enough to really to be able to speak to his defense. I'm not I'm not really sure. Um, I just I, I know like like Scott Hastings brought him up the other day on the radio as a guy that he'd really like the Nuggets to go after. Um, it. It's somewhat similar to Brooke Lopez, my, my argument with him, uh, and then throw in um, I mean, he's more, more athletic athleticism. than Brooke, Brooke Lopez. Yeah, more though. athleticism, but then throw in inc- more inconsistent as well. Yeah, and he doesn't have quite the three-point shooting that Lopez <laughs> magically developed this year either. Um, <laughs> that was weird. That was one of the weirder it, things I, that developed boils- this year, actually, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> but it's... A, it boils down to sidesteps. Any anything that people bring up, right? That, that I've been seeing it at best is a sidestep. And why do you sidestep? It, to me, I'm not feeling. Well, frantic, I mean, you like, could oh, we need because to make a you big could change. You could make the argument that Julius Randle's offense would be so significantly better than what Millsap can do at this point that it would be worth it. Um, even but if he is what does a that drop mean for off Jamal defense, Murray and Gary but, Harris. I don't know. I mean, I don't think I don't think it ever hurts to have like it's not like you can't bring on good more good offensive players because it'll hurt the offensive players we have. I mean, the Warriors have shown that you stack your team with as many good shooters as you can. Right, but um, then you get, if defense is an area where you can, you know, you'd be giving up. So if he's not going to have a huge imp- impact on offense, then that kind of defeats the purpose of a player whose uh, offense is so good that it overcomes their defensive deficiencies. Yeah, I mean, that would be the argument for, like, Tobias Harris, too, who's a really talented offensive player, but he has, you know, kind of a limited game, and he's he's not very versatile and doesn't really play great defense. I'm more interested in Harris. Um, uh, it, it, his defense is better than either of the players, uh, these other players that we talked about. Better than Randall? Yeah. Oh, huh. Uh, to to me, for for our Nuggets team, definitely. Um, he doesn't bring the rebounding that Randall does, um, and that's pretty huge. Millsap has done a good job of that, and that's something that we saw fade for Millsap in the playoffs. Um, that 
was pretty significant for us. Um, but then, then let's talk about Jared Vanderbilt. I mean, yeah, that guy, that guy has insane looking rebounding statistics already. Granted, he hasn't played any real time in the NBA, but things are looking really good for that. And, you know, he's part of the class of young guys who I do think could fill in for Millsap. I already talked about Jonathan Isaacs. Um, trying to think there's a few other guys out there who are young who aren't really um big names in any conversations right now but they fit the same type of role and and Vanderbilt's right there with them so I want to see what Vanderbilt can do um hopefully he doesn't turn the ball over as much as we've seen he he's his hands haven't really been there but I'm feeling like if we're gonna have a, a power forward who's primarily just there to, to cover for Jokic and be a defensive stopper and a rebounder, then it makes it even more important that we have a scorer at small forward, um, which we don't have right now. Uh, like, because I, I don't, you can't start. Like, if Millsap, if he continues to do what he did next year, maybe even regresses a little bit more on offense. I'm not, I'm not really sure what to expect from right. him. I'm not sure how much age is catching right. up to him or no, whatever. I think that's but fair. like. Okay, so let's say he averaged, you know, he's going to be like a 10 point a game guy. Let's say he's like a 10 and 6 guy next year or something like that, or 11 and 6 or whatever. That's a little steep, but okay. What was he? He was 12 and 6 this year, wasn't he? I don't know. Uh, I thought it was. hmm. He was 12 and a half and 7. Hmm. Okay. So, you know, if he drops a little bit more from that, let's say, let's say he's 11 and 6 next year or something like that in the regular season. Uh-huh. I mean, that's about as low as a starter can go and, and justifiably even be on the court. I, I would think, um, unless they just have some really unique position, which he does in, in this case on defense, but then that means you can't start like Tory Craig or somebody at small forward. Um, who's also going to be a, you know, a, a limited offensive player or you're putting, you're putting your entire offense on three guys. I just, I think, I, I I think that it ups the need for there to be a, a small forward who who can be a playmaker and a big time scorer. I mean, Michael Porter Jr. will be perfect for that if if he can. I I agree. Do it, but I I, I it's think a big that's unknown. a dilemma. I just don't think there's anything to do. I I think the I think the best thing to do about it is is the guys the young guys already on the team and see how they can develop and go into next off season. Uh, ready to pull some some triggers as need be. I think that Connolly has intentionally set up this kind of two year window here, and uh, and next year is even more important of an off season than this one. And so um, so we're still, I guess, on the path to next year's off season. And while there is intentionally some flexibility built into this offseason. I don't think it's one that you want to frantically just make a move to make a move. And I don't see there being um, that much of, of a degradation. Let, let's just say if the degradation of Paul Millsap next season is the story of why the Nuggets were terrible, I would be, I would be really shocked. Oh, no, <laughs> I don't think that. Yeah, no, I don't think it's that. It's just it's what are we what are we give, giving up? What are we not going out and trying to get? by keeping Millsap or by um, like what you were talking about opportunity costs before. Well, if, I mean, if you keep his team option, you pay him 30 million instead of paying one of these free agents, 20 million, 25 million, 
Um, is is that is his value on defense so much that it it overcomes what we're, what we'd be giving up by going after somebody? I don't know. Um, uh, another, I'm not sold um, that that's the case. Let me put it that way. Another exercise that I like to do looking at free agency is to uh, kick all the players off of my own team um, because I, I think I, I would get caught up in um, wanting to outdo what I currently have on my roster when I'm looking at other free agents. And uh, I wind up actually not valuing my players as much as maybe I should. And when I throw all of the players on our own roster in with the rest of the free agent pool, all of a sudden they start to look more attractive to me. And that's where, again, I, I, I take another look at, um, at Vanderbilt and how much upside he is. And he's coming along with a, you know, a million and a half dollar price tag. He's locked in until mm-hmm. 2021, a million and a half each season with huge upside. He's shown a full recovery from his injury. Um, and he's got all of the chops to be the next Millsap, honestly, in in the Nuggets system. So I have huge, like, even if he didn't come at a million and a half, even if he came at four million, five million, six million, seven million, I would be interested in investing that much money to see what he has. And if all of a sudden we're making a move this season, and and the minutes that should be falling to Vanderbilt wind up going to a free agent that we bring in, then yet again we never find out. Uh, opportunity cost is Vanderbilt, and that's a player I, I really want to know more about. So or okay, well, what if you the, just why not go with Vanderbilt over Millsap? That's like that's because uh, Mil- we already just talked about Millsap's got a very limited offensive game at this point. Like he uh, he was able to show some flashes in the in the playoffs, but that wasn't even consistent. Um, yeah, but he's so, got a better offensive game than Vanderbilt, unfortunately. <laughs> right now. Yeah, marginally. I mean, I think but, I think Vanderbilt's capable of ten points a game. Well, yeah, but what? what how many turnovers does he give up to to get there? Uh, that, I don't know. That's that's where we go back to me saying. Um, that I don't think we it, – it's time. It's making a move over time to replace Millsap, not overnight. And that's – Vanderbilt, I think, is the solution over time or, or is a candidate to be the solution over time as opposed to the solution overnight. And he, he's, got, he's, got, he's got a lot of potential, and it's going to take time to get there uh, if, if he's able to. And being able to come in and basically fill Trey Lyle's role – um, who averaged 17 minutes a game last season, for him to be able to come in and soak up all of those minutes is a great opportunity to see what he has. And just like Michael Porter Jr., like we've said, um, hopefully winning more minutes as the season goes on. Um, same thing with uh, with uh, Vanderbilt here. So are you predicting that they won't... That the, Well, okay, Let's. this will lead into our next question. So will any player that's not on the current roster play for 15 minutes or more next season? So in other words, basically what we're saying is, are they not just going to bring in anybody new? It kind of sounds like you're saying they're going to stand pat with, uh, with I, the exception of maybe a second-round draft pick. I am buying that completely. I, I do not believe there will be a player on our team 
next season playing more than 15 minutes a game that is not already on the roster. I think they're standing pat. Okay. Uh, I don't think that. Um, I don't think they're going to get a big a big name free agent, uh, but I think they're going to get somebody big enough that they will at least be earning 20, 25 minutes, something, 20 minutes off the bench, something like that. I'm not sure who that will be or how that will that will all shake out, but I just I feel like I just it's just a feeling I have really more than anything that just there's a, a the window is now open for the Nuggets and I think we might see them start to start to try to build a ch- like a, a championship sort of team instead of just giving their players another year to develop. I think we're and maybe this is just maybe be, being hopeful. Maybe that's all they need. I don't know. But I, I just kind of feel like there's there, there's a lot of momentum now at their back based on what they did this year and adding some kind of a free agent veteran presence who would help them in a playoff series, I think would be a, a really smart move and something that I think I think we might see. Yeah. So again, so in that situation, I would hope that it would come in at the small forward position. Like, I don't think we want to see a point guard fight his way in with Monte Morris and Jamal Murray. I don't think we want to see a shooting guard um, burst their way in with Gary Harris and and Malik Beasley. So I, I mean, hope it, dep- it would be a sm- – yeah, yeah, right. Or, I mean, it depends on who what they'd have to do to get this to – or if there's some trade in the works too. Like, I don't know. Like, I would love to see J.J. Redick on the team, for example. But I don't know. He, he probably is not a starter – um, and, so and like we've Beasley's already talked better. about, we have too many shooting guards. I think Beasley's Be- better. No, I, I think, Be- yeah, he's better as a long term. I'm more thinking about like for a two year playoff run, uh, over the next couple of years or whatever, Reddick being a guy that can hit he big was shots bad in, the playoffs. in the playoffs. I can tell you that I watched the Nuggets and I watched, uh, the 76ers and nobody, nobody was praising Reddick. <laughs> along his way, um, as much as he has quote-unquote experience, playoff experience, uh, it's not like he was doing anything that Beasley wasn't and and definitely, definitely was not doing what Gary Harris was was doing. Oh, yeah, no no doubt. I'm not, like I said, I'm not talking about a starter. I'm just saying, like, hold on, Red, hold on, hold on, hold on. We got to set some things straight here. Redick in the playoffs this year averaged 13 and a half, and he shot 41% from three. Yeah. And 85 from the line. That's really good production. Like Beasley, Beasley was not Beasley was not producing that in this in the in the Portland series specifically. He was also wasn't he was a nowhere starter. close to that. Well, I mean, yeah, I know the really minutes. Play. Right, 31. Yeah, I think if Beasley's in 31 minutes as a starter that we have we have a much better performance. So if if Reddick comes on our team and replaces Beasley and plays whatever Beasley played in the playoffs, you know, 15 minutes a game. I, I don't think those are the stats that you wind up with stats like that. Yeah, I mean, Beasley was eight points a game in 20 minutes on 40% from three. And he only shot, uh, he only shot 71% from the line for some reason after having a really great shooting regular season from the line. But, um, yeah, I don't know. He, like, he, had, he had a couple of really good games against the Spurs, but we kind of already talked about how he, he really faded against Portland. Yeah. So I don't, yeah, I'm, I, I'm, this might be some recency bias where I'm just thinking about that last series more so right. than thinking think about, man, it would have been, I mean, let, all I was thinking the whole series was, man, it would be so great if some, if we had a player in this series who could hit threes that had like been here before, like, like the, 
the Robert right, Ori type, the like Bruce Bowens right. of the world, like the guys that are just like going to hit these big corner threes when you need them, when nobody else can can get a shot to go. And see, um, when you say those names, all of a sudden I like it. I like the idea when you're talking yeah. about Bruce <laughs> Bowen or Robert Ori. But when you're saying Redick, you know, how many 76ers fans were thinking the same thing when Redick was bricking them in the playoffs? And they're like, man, I wish we had a guy like Beasley on our team, a young guy who's athletic, who, who hits 40% at three, uh-huh. and they don't. They don't realize that Redick is, is the same player, but because he's playing bad, you, in the moment you feel it, and you want something different. So it's to me, it's the same exercise where if you kick Beasley off our team and throw him into the free agent pool, and then you stack him up next to Redick, all of a sudden Beasley looks really good as a player that you might want to go out and get. Well, and no, that, Beasley isn't the one that would get kicked off. I mean, that's what like, and it's not a matter of kicking people off. It's just, it's just adding talent. That's all. Like, and then you you see how it plays out. I mean, it's not like. It's not like this is a chessboard where we can right. only have like these these set pieces on the board at any given You're time. Like the bullpen approach to it, I, I understand that. Right, I'm, right. I, that's what I'm getting at. I think it's just nominal. I, I think it's very nominal what we're talking about here. Um, yeah. The, the question the was: Will effect. any player play more than 15 minutes that's not currently on the roster? So right. we're not and, we're and not talking about a starter level like like all star caliber player. Right, that's where I get really defensive. You know, because there's not a whole lot of minutes going around for the bench. And I think guys like Monte Morris, Malik Beasley, Wancho. Wancho's a guy we haven't even talked about yet. Um, and Vanderbilt and Michael Porter Jr., I think all those guys need a lot of time. And we, I haven't even brought up Torrey Craig. Um, so so adding another guy in the mix, it's just I, I'm really disliking the opportunity cost that's going on there. So maybe it's a view of the team. So you're you're still seeing this team as building like that this next year is just is another year of building it's not a a, a year where we need to be competing no. like like the goal for next year is not to win a championship in other words no no no, no i disagree with that so you think the goal next year is to win a championship um for, for because that changes the your goal ma- yes it changes the, well, the matrix is, of how you approach the offseason. You know, like not well, well, I mean there's different things. There's 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 franchise goals, there's season goals, there's monthly goals, game game by game goals. And, and the the season goal I I think really is win a championship next season. But but you there's also franchise goals of kick off, you know, the next 10 years of of top quality championship contending Nuggets ball, and and so I think you can do both of those, and I think players like Michael Porter Jr., Jared Vanderbilt, Juancho Hernan Gomez, Malik Beasley, Monte Morris are guys that can get you a championship. Okay, and and I think I think it's even better, and I think they grow along the way. I think they need one more player. I tell like you what, a, like I, I'm a, actually one more All Star. So I'm actually starting to hope that they trade Michael Porter Jr. Really, I, I think we could see a really big splash. Yeah, I just I think he's a chess piece. Yeah, I think I'm just I not think sure. The Nuggets team next season, twenty uh, twenty twenty to twenty twenty one, I think is going to be largely different. I think that's going to be the concrete Nuggets dynasty that 
that gets things done, I think that's where we're going to see a lot of differences. And I have a feeling trading Michael Porter Jr. is a big part of that. Hmm. Well, that's a good segue into our last question. Buy or sell, Michael Porter Jr. will win the MVP of the Summer League. (laughs) I love the tone of your voice for that. Um, (laughs) I'm not buying it um, because I have serious – well, okay, I have serious – health concerns um, into how it actually impacts him playing. You not, do? not that he's not going to be you playing. You didn't tell me about this. Oh, for him. You mean, okay. <laughs> not your health concerns. Jeez. Oh, yeah, I do have serious <laughs> health concerns. I'm, I'm part Jewish, so I'm always worried, always worried about my health. <laughs> um, but uh, no, no, no. So I'm not sure that he, he is going to be able to play up to physically the the Michael Porter Jr. that he expects to be able to play up to. Um, but because it's summer ball, mm, that makes me ho-hum. Maybe he could do it because nobody's grading your defense, first of all. Um, you know, if his shot is on, it's a short, uh, short league, a short competition. So if his shot is just on for a week, uh, that can, that can get it done. Um, who knows? Um, no, there's too many. Eh, this is a really bad draft class. Oh, intriguing. I mean, Zion will probably win it if we're, oh, we're going to be totally yeah. honest. But. Wait, but didn't My, he just have like, isn't he out? Is he? Zion Summer League. It's iffy. Or maybe okay, they just won't even court- play him. I don't know. A lot of times, yeah, I guess a lot of times the high draft picks don't even play in Summer League. They, um, okay, I'm going to also sell Michael Porter Jr. winning MVP of the Summer League, and it's because Jared Vanderbilt's going to win it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> he is going to tear that league up. He's, gonna, he's, got, he's got a little bit of experience in the pros. He's fully back from his injury. He's had, had some time to play with the team, to play professional basketball, which Michael Porter Jr. has not. And his energy level, he's going to be the only guy playing defense, the only guy rebounding in the entire summer league. He's going to be an animal, and that's going to be enough to get him MVP. I love it. That's my favorite version of this summer. That really <laughs> is. Um, Stiffs are big fans of Vlaco Chanchar as well. Uh-huh. Um, I, I, like, I like him. I would take a, a version of this summer where he wins it as well, but... No, I, Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's my favorite, purely from fit, potential, everything. And and it goes back to everything is based around my philosophy that the uh, the power forward is the second most important position in on any Jokic team. So so Vanderbilt is is the most likely to be the the second most important player. Uh, on the Jokic dynasty team in, in my eyes, e- even if he's never a 15 point per game guy or anything like that, if he's able to lock things in the way they need to so that Jokic can operate, then to me, he will be the second most important player, just like Draymond Green of the Warriors. I, I think I think it's him, not Clay, who has been the second most important player of the, the Warriors dynasty. Um Oh, that yeah. gets complicated. Let's not get into that because it, it does. But I know, I know what you're saying, through. though. They're the, yeah, this is kind of like a like a Swiss Army knife, kind of like 
a player that and and there's this level of like intensity you need too which um i think he has but we'll see mm-hmm. i mean I, here's the exciting thing where we have we have no draft picks we don't have a ton of money unless some moves are made um but we still have even if nothing happens if the nuggets don't draft a player this year and they don't sign a free agent we still have something to, exciting to look forward to with MPJ and and, Ver- and Vanderbilt, um, and the uh, Slovenian. How do you say it? it's it's Kankar? Uh, Chanchar. Yeah, those C's both have the the upside down roof over them. Kanchar. Um, okay. I believe I get the I get these things wrong apparently. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> As we've learned this year. Oh, you forgot to list yeah. that one on your fails. Um, What's that? Uh, Serbian pronunciation should have been listed in our our list of well, it wasn't a prediction, I guess, but it was a fail. Right. Our, our worst. <laughs> our worst our moments worst, of the my season. My worst quality as a human. Let's just get straight <laughs> to the point. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I mean, so if nothing else. I mean, we still have like like MBJ. If he was coming into this draft healthy, would be a top five pick probably. So. Oh, um, he, I think he'd be number two. I think he'd be number, behind Zion. Number two. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're adding that to this team. This is exciting. Um, as long as. Yeah. yeah that's I, cool. I, I had thought about that. We just that. don't know. Yeah. There's no question he would be number two. And I think mm-hmm. there'd even be questions that he go number one because of his physical size as opposed to Zion's. That's Zion's biggest uh, detriment is that he's. Too his short. size is is an odd is an odd fit, whereas yeah. Michael Porter Jr. is the opposite, where he's this freak size and playability, like Kevin Durant. So yep, it's gonna be exciting. fun. I didn't think yeah. that like that. Yep, it's gonna be fun, and we have a lot to look forward to. All right, well, that wraps it up. We had uh, as good of a year, better than a uh, better of a, of a Nugget season than I, I thought was even possible this year. Uh, would have been awesome to see him finish off that Portland series. But now with some hindsight a couple weeks on, I think, you know, from the, the aerial view of this team, we are right where we want to be. We've got the talent, the core, uh, the youth, and the, the flexibility with cap to uh to really build something for the long term here. all right well i gotta get back to work actually 